we're looking at what it, what it means to follow Jesus. Our main uh, passage for tonight is going to be found in the Gospel of Mark. If you have a Bible or an app on your phone or your neighbor has a Bible, Mark, verse 16, here we go. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, this is Jesus, is now walking along the Sea of Galilee. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw uh, Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will, uh, excuse me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. This is always a very interesting uh, passage for me. Like I... Some of you have been around for a little bit. You know, I like to try and... I'm, I'm a very visual person, so I like to try and envision what this would look like. Uh, and often, I'm sure, probably most of the time, what I envision is not actually what happened. Uh, but, I, you know, these guys are, are fishing. They're kind of... I don't know what they're doing fishing-wise. This is not like... I mean, they were actually, like, fishing with nets and stuff, so I don't know, like, how far off the, like, bank they are or anything. But they're out there fishing. They're doing something with their nets. And Jesus walks up, and he looks at him, and he says... Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And I, I just always, I always imagine Jesus when he has these moments, there are these like mic drop moments for Jesus, but then there's also moments like this. I feel like he just does this and he like does cool guy walks and just assumes they're going to follow him, right? He's just like, yep, we got this. And if somebody you had never really met, maybe you just heard of a little bit, sounded like a cool guy, did a lot of cool stuff, walked up to you and just said, hey, follow me. Would you, what would you do? What would you do? These guys, they're like, okay. And they like drop their thing and they just like start following Jesus. That's kind of funny to me, right? I'm sure, I don't, I don't know how more nuanced uh, real life was from what we just get in scripture. From what I read right here, they're just like, they're doing something with their nets. They look up at Jesus, he says a thing and they just drop their nets and just start walking after him. That seems pretty crazy and funny to me, but that's, that's what we have here. But what I want us to see though is that for the disciples, and, and the passage goes on, and, he, and Jesus calls some more disciples. Eventually, he gets to 12. Um, for the disciples, though, this call to follow him was more than just a physical, like, walk over here with me. It wasn't like Jesus was like, hey, come follow me. I got this cool thing over here, and then, like, you go see it and, like, get to walk away or whatever. No, like, it was, there was a physical, like, drop what you're doing, follow Jesus physically sort of thing for them, but there were so many more layers to it than that. There's so many more layers to it than that. In the same way that Jesus stood there before the disciples and said, follow me. He stands before each and every one of us in the same way and says, follow me. I'm a fisherman. It'd be hard for me to stop fishing. Uh, that's just a random thought that was not in my notes to say out loud. Um, but that's a thought in my head right now. Um, but he says to each, each and every one of us, follow me. And so what, is it, what does that mean? What does it mean, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? You see, we live in a world of followers, right? We're all followers. Like we follow each other on social media. Uh, we follow like celebrities, um, athletes, all these things. Like we, we track their lives right, as much as possible, what's, what, uh, what all is published and that sort of thing. Uh, but there's also a sense in where the term follower can be a bad thing, right? Like, dude, you're such a follower. Why why'd you just do that? Whatever, you know, like there's this like weird thing with this word that has multiple meanings. It can be good or bad or 
whatever you kind of want it to be. And so in this context where there's all different ways that this word follow, follower, can be used, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does that mean? Some would say it simply just means to believe that Jesus exists. You believe in Jesus, you're following Jesus. Uh, there are a lot of other answers to this question. If someone were to ask, uh, you know, do you follow Jesus or are you a Christian? A lot of people will say things like, well, you know, I, I was born into a Christian family. I go to church all the time or I go to church sometimes. Uh, some people might answer or like, I do good things, right? Like, I don't do bad stuff. I don't like murder anybody, check, right? Like, uh, we do these types of things or like, I mean, I believe God exists. Jesus was a good dude, right? That mean, I, I, Jesus was a good dude. That's it's what I hear. Anyway, um, and so there, there are all these different answers to what, you know, what it may mean to follow Jesus. So when I was in junior high, collecting baseball cards uh, was still a cool thing to do. I don't, does anybody here actually collect baseball cards? Yeah? Cool? All right. My peeps. Right? Anyway, I collected baseball cards. I still love baseball to this day. I don't collect cards anymore, uh, but, uh, but I collect cards. And uh, one of my favorite players, most of you have probably never heard of, uh, King Griffey Jr., loved that guy, had like one of his like, rookie cards and was like full nerd about it. But there was this other baseball player named Robin Yaunt, right? If you don't know me, my last name is Yaunt. I'm J.J. Yaunt, right? And so when I was in junior high, I used to tell people, hey, Robin Yaunt, it's my uncle. <laughs> it's my uncle. My, my uncle is a major league baseball player. I'm better than all of you jokers, Right? Uh, and, I, and I memorized, like, everything I could about Robin Yon. I don't have it all memorized now. It's been a long time because I'm old. But uh, I knew all of his baseball stats. I knew, like, all the teams he had played for and all this, anything that was published about Robin Yon, I knew. And I told people I was related to that guy, that I was, that I was connected to him in some way. Reality was, though we have the same last name, we are far from related. He's way cooler than me, and so I can never be related to that guy. But... We're not related at all, and I had a lot of knowledge about him, but I didn't know him at all. I didn't actually know him, had never met him, had never even been in the same state as him. So, uh, uh, James chapter 2, verse 19, I'm just going to tell you what it says here, Uh, but James chapter 2, verse 19 says that even the demons believe in Jesus, but then they shudder. See, the the demons are not in relationship with Jesus. They know about Jesus. They know he exists. They acknowledge his existence. They believe he exists. They know he is powerful and that he is the king of the universe, but they're not in relationship with him. You see, this following Jesus is not just knowing or believing that Jesus exists. There's a difference in knowing, knowing something about someone and actually knowing them. Does that make sense? And so scripture is telling us that following, following Jesus is more than just acknowledging his existence, right? There is a level of relationship that is involved in doing this. See, belief, belief is a part of it all, right? You have to believe something before you can step in any further. And so there is a belief in knowing his, uh, of him and his existence and, and why you should follow him and all that sort of thing. That, that's the beginning of all this. But what what does it mean to actually know Jesus and to follow him? What does it mean to know Jesus 
and to follow him. You see, in this, in this passage we just read, in the passage it says, follow me. And for English people in the room, I'm not one of you, but follow this verb, I'm told that that means that there's action that comes with that, right? Like there's, there's some kind of like action that goes along with those sorts of things. You can chuckle, it's okay. Um, we'll get through it, it's fine. Uh, so follow me is a, is a verb. And so there's, there's an action to this. And so for the disciples, that meant literally dropping their nets and following Jesus. You see what that other layer I was talking to you about was this fishing. They weren't like me where they just fish whenever they get free time, like for a hobby and all these kinds of things. It was their livelihood. It was their job. So they were leaving their job to go follow Jesus. And we find out as you go through the story that the disciples... They left more than that. To follow Jesus, they gave up their jobs, they gave up their homes, they gave up their families, they gave up their whole life. Everything about their life changed. Every single thing in their life changed. So this wasn't, like I said earlier, this wasn't one of those like Jesus was like, hey, come check this thing out. Have you ever been in those moments where somebody's like doing something and they're like, hey, come check this out? And for people like me, we're always like, cool, what's that, right? And half the time you're about to get pranked. Um, that's just kind of how it is. That was not this kind of moment. This was literally Jesus saying, hey, I want you to give up everything in your life and change every single thing about you. That's the call. Often uh, Christians... Um, say they're following Jesus and in some ways they are and in other ways uh, we're not, right? There's this level of, of imperfection that we'll never fully be able to follow, I mean like to give up all of ourselves because of the sin nature that wars within us but I mean something more than that like not just like undiscovered imperfections about yourself that you'll eventually you'll learn or whatever but I mean in active ways there are things where we're like you know Jesus, I'm not going to steal today. I can do that, right? It's for most of us, hopefully, that's a pretty simple thing. Uh, some of you might struggle with it. That's fine. But uh, for a lot of us, you can do things like that. You can follow Jesus and say, you know what? I'm not going to steal today. I'm not going to murder anyone today. Not, I mean, got you, Jesus. I cannot murder anyone today. Nailed it. I'm following Jesus, right? But whenever it comes to things that are hit a little closer to home, For those of us who, follow, who are following Jesus, maybe there's uh, relationships that have gone too far. Maybe there's broken relationships. Maybe there's your schedule's too busy to fit in time to read the Bible or to pray or any of those kinds of things. These things that really require change, really require effort on our end, that's whenever it gets down into the nitty-gritty of following Jesus, like these, these things in our life that actually have to change. Like I said, we're not perfect. So there's always things in life that need to change, and there's always ways that we're giving things over to Jesus. Um, and, so, and there's this fancy theological uh, term called sanctification, where this is a process, right? It's not like the moment you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you become perfect. Um, that's, not, that's not at all how it works, right? That's just the beginning of the journey of following Jesus. That's the first step in following. So truly following Jesus requires us to actionably follow him. There is action involved in this. There is change that happens. It's not just saying that we know he exists or showing up at church once in a while. Um, it's a daily following Jesus, a daily giving up of our self-desires and trying to grow closer and closer to God intentionally. 
And so there's, there's a few different ways of going about this. And the first uh, sort of step in this process of following Jesus is this admitting our need for change. There's a realization that you need to change. If you really just stop, even now, and look in your life, there's some level of brokenness, there's some level of selfishness, pride, ugliness. Like there's, all of this is there. There's some level of that. And so whether it's a first realization that you need Jesus and then you, and you're stepping down that path towards salvation, or if you're already a Christian, daily there are these the time every day there are moments where we need to be admitting that we need to change, that we're not perfect yet. It's a realization that we are not perfect yet. And you know you're not perfect yet, but we often put on that face trying to act like we're perfect or we got it all together and we're we're doing these things, like I hey, I go to greenhouse, I love Jesus, blah 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 blah. But that's not really, truly following Jesus. It can be a part of it, but that's not the heart of it. That's not really the heart of it at all. See, the call to to be a follower of Jesus is open. It's open to everyone, but we don't get get to write our own job descriptions. I did get offered one uh, one time. uh, Somebody said, like, hey, we really want you to work for us. This is one of the first times anybody's, like, ever, like, I, they didn't really know me yet, I guess, uh, and so they, they really wanted me to go work for them, and they were like, hey, just write down whatever it is you want to do, and that'll be your job, and that was really intriguing, right? So I get to write down whatever I want to do and go do that thing? That sounds awesome, right? As you get older and you get into, like, actually working jobs, you'll find out that's never true, um, and, that's, uh, and that, never, that rarely ever happens that you get to do something like that. Uh, I turned it down, obviously. I'm still here. Anyway, um, but this Christian life is not like that. We don't get to just say, well, Jesus, here are the things I like to do. Here are things I don't really like to do, so I'm just going to do these things, right? That's not how it's supposed to work. That's not what following Jesus is. We have to deny ourselves, surrender our lives to Jesus. This, the whole point of salvation is realizing that you can't do it on your own, that you can't get your way to God through just doing good things and all this stuff, that you are broken, that you are sinful, realizing that and giving ownership of your life over to Jesus to let him take control because you realize that he's the Savior and he's the one who's going to bring you out of hell. He's going to bring you out of that sin and out of that darkness. And often it seems, and it's not an easy thing, but it often seems like this bad thing, like, oh, I have to give up all of these things to follow Jesus, right? It seems like this burden, but whenever you realize what Jesus is truly offering, the life of loving him fully and loving those around you with his love, once you realize what that's really all about, it's not really that hard. It's not really that hard to make that decision. But it is a decision that that has to be made. Jesus is not asking to be an addition to our life, not just like added on to whatever it is, like, oh, I'm already doing these things, I'm in football, I'm in cheerleading, and I'm a Christian, right? Like this little addition sort of thing. Jesus wants to be your life. He doesn't want to be added to your life. He wants to be your life. So whatever it is you're doing, I'm following Jesus in whatever else it is. So you're not defined by making good grades. You're not defined by whatever it is, fill in the blank, that you do in your life. I'm not defined by being awesome at Fortnite or any of that kind of stuff, right? Like, it's... It's about being defined by Jesus 
and then everything else should fall behind that. And if it doesn't fit in with that, then it shouldn't be in your life. If it doesn't fit in with that, then it shouldn't be there. So we commit our lives to Jesus, uh, and, that's, and that's just the beginning. Realizing that we need to change and giving our life over to Jesus is the beginning. And then there's this pursuit of growth. And that ultimately happens in, com- in community, right? Growth toward Jesus in a relationship to him, this following Jesus really only happens best in the way God created it, to be in community with other Christians. One of my favorite uh, verses on this subject is Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. There are lots of verses, and there's lots of, lots of conversation in Scripture about followers of Jesus spending time with one another and helping each other and pushing each other forward. But this one for me, maybe because I'm real simple and it's real simple, but this one for me kind of just rises to the top and makes most sense. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So for me, this looks like this, right? We love to talk about, like, we're all unique, and we all have our own things, right? If we're all unique, then we're not really unique. Anyway, there's this whole weird logical loop you can get yourself into. Um, But we are all our own people, and so I see things about God from my perspective. You see things about God from your perspective. When we're doing community together and we're talking about Jesus together, I get to hear your perspective and learn things about God that you see that I maybe have not seen from my perspective and the other way around. And we can help each other know more about God, each other, and the world around us as we spend time together, which is why me and Britton are constantly pushing you guys into small groups uh, is because we wish that whenever we were your age, we had a student ministry that would do that. Now, I was in a smaller church, and so like the whole thing was just a small group. But... Um, We're constantly pushing you into small groups because those matter. Those times are meant to push you forward, to actually share your thoughts about Jesus and life with one another, to help each other grow and to sharpen one another and push each other closer to Jesus. Spiritual growth is not automatic. It's not just this thing. You're like, okay, I follow Jesus, and all of a sudden you just automatically start growing closer to Jesus. It is a process. Just like denying yourself daily, admitting that you need change, spiritual growth, all of this is a process of getting closer and closer to Jesus and the world around us. And one of the more important uh, factors of following Jesus is our time in Scripture, our time in the Bible. See, the Bible is our guide, and the application of the Bible is actually what makes a difference, right? The Bible is our guide, and applying the Bible to our life is actually what makes a difference. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this. He says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. Don't just listen to God's word, but you have to do what it says, or else you're fooling yourself. James goes on to talk about, he talks about it in this terms, that listening... Uh, like reading God's word and then not applying it to your life is just like if you, when you walk up to a mirror and you check yourself out and make sure you're ready to go for the day, right? In Serenity. And then you walk away and immediately forget what you look like. Right? It's kind of a weird concept. But if you look in the mirror, look at yourself, and then turn around and immediately forget what you look like, what was the whole point of looking in the mirror? 
if you're sitting and reading the Bible and trying to study and learn more about God, and then you walk away and immediately forget it, what was the whole point? What was the whole point? Which means there's got to be something more than just reading it. There's got to be a reading it with purpose, a reading it with intentionality to learn more about God and to take notes and to try and memorize stuff and to actually interact with it and not just read it like it's a textbook for school. I'm really good at um, taking, <laughs> this is, I'm going to admit that I was a very terrible student in school. Um, and so I could, if teachers gave me a study guide, it was game on, man. Like, if I had a study guide, I could just memorize that study guide, take the test, and then, like, the next day, you would ask me something about that, and I would have no clue. I mean, it was just memorize, regurgitate, flush, right? That was the, that was the whole process for me. And so if you ask me to do math, I don't know. I'm sorry. I just can't do it. I flushed it all. It's gone. It's all gone, right? <laughs> and for a long time, I did the same thing with the Bible, People would push me to memorize something, and I would do what I always did. I'd memorize it. Somebody would hold me accountable. I'd say it uh, out, to, out loud to them. I was done. Flush, right? It's gone, right? Um, because I never actually interacted with it. The things I do remember from school and the things I do remember in life are things that applied directly to me, and I interacted with them in some way. And so... All the books and different things I've read uh, throughout my whole life, I don't remember much about any of them unless I actually did something with them. Like if I took something and brought internalized it into my own life and made changes in my life because of it, it's the only time I really remember that stuff. And if, if you're honest, you're the same way. And so spending time in Scripture is important, but spending time intentionally in Scripture is what really makes the difference. Spending time reading the Bible, not just to say you've read it, not just to check off a list, not just to do a plan or to tell your friends you've done it or whatever, but to actually apply something to your life. That's where it makes the difference. And that's a part of really following Jesus is hearing his word and applying it to your life and allowing the change to be made. And now we can't just do this on our own willpower. You can't just say, like, okay, well, I struggle with this thing, and so I'm just going to, like, I'm going to muster up the strength, and I'm just going to do this, right? How many times uh, have you, like, made a plan to, like, make a change in your life? Not, not even spiritual. You're just like, all right, I'm doing this thing. I need to stop doing this thing. I'm going to stop doing the thing. And then, like, the next day you do the thing, right? It's just... I do this all the time. Uh, I'll be on like some kind of retreat. I'm like, all right, I know I got to wake up at like five o'clock and read my Bible. I've got to do this thing. I'm going to set alarms. Like I'm just going to be proactive. I'm going to set these alarms for five o'clock. Da da da. And then like Monday comes, my alarm goes off at five o'clock. I throw my phone across the room and I go back to sleep. Right? Like I can't do it in my own willpower. But thankfully, but thankfully. There's this third person of the Trinity that we don't really talk about very much. If you're new to church, this is going to like freak you out because it freaks me out too, right? God is very interesting in that there's one God, but then there are three persons of this. And I'm not going to really get into all this because it gets real crazy real fast. But there's God the Father, there's God the Son, Jesus, and there's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has many roles. But the moment that you allow Jesus to step in and take ownership of your life, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in you 
And Holy Spirit, one of his main responsibilities is helping us push forward and closer to God. He's our main connection spiritually with God. He's the one who convicts us of the sin and allows us to see the change that needs to be done. He's the one that when we're, we're looking at the mirror of Scripture and seeing the ways that we need to change, he's the one that points that out to us and, gives and, and, and lets us know where we need to adjust. He's our advocate. He's the one who prays for us, uh, intercedes for us when we pray. The Bible talks about him interceding for us. He's our comforter, and that's just to name a few. There's this list that goes on that the Holy Spirit is responsible for. But in this instance, uh, the specific thing is this, con- this conviction and understanding of Scripture, right? When we read the Bible and we're actually trying to engage with it and trying to make changes, we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's whenever it's real. That's whenever you can make real change the Holy Spirit. I kind of envision it like this. The Holy Spirit comes in uh, whenever you uh, accept Jesus uh, into your life. You make him the, uh, give him the ownership of your life. The Holy Spirit comes in like Chip and Joe and start wrecking up the place, right? Start refurbishing, putting all the, uh, the barn chic stuff in, all the things, right? Ship lap for days, right? Like all these things, right? Uh, they start coming in and renovating and make this place like awesome, right? You paid like $2 for it, but now it's worth $2 million because it looks awesome, Right? In the same way, the Holy Spirit, his responsibility is, is to renovate us and to change us. And not just because, not for change's sake, but because the brokenness and the, the darkness and the ugliness that's in our life because of the sin in the world and the evil in the world, the Holy Spirit wants to help push that out and remove that stuff and to make us whole again the way we were created to be. There's a, there's a video that really, uh, I think, illustrates this really well. So let's watch this video. I drive down the roads every day. I am mindful and observant of what, I, what I'm looking for. It gives me great thrills to find something on the side of the road and say to somebody, hey, what are you going to do with that? And they said, oh, I was just pushing it out there, hoping the garbage man would get rid of it. And I said, well, do you mind if I take it? What's been unique and different about the bowls and the bowl turning process is getting to work with really unique pieces of wood. I like to see things that are what you would think of as malformed or, or, or a problem. And you can see right there, that's burl. This is normal tree. Either way, the grain's going crazy. That's the cool stuff. But we may see some bugs and stuff come flying out of that. But that's okay. Bugs are part of the deal. Wood is not plastic. It's, a, it's an imperfect material. So you don't know what you're going to get into until you open it up. That process is something that is never the same. Every time you do it, something different can happen. trying to do is bring out of the damaged or uh, ugly things something of beauty and I, I look at that and I see a creator I see God and, and his design in, in this imperfection and if we're able to bring that out that second life uh, that rebirth is beautiful it's a piece of art 
Find more stories like this at moments.org. So just like that guy would take these ugly pieces of wood that we would just throw in a fire pit or just get rid of and make these like things of beauty, take something that looks like it's not worth anything and make it worth something, the Holy Spirit does the same with you and I. Whenever we're willing to, to allow Jesus to be the Lord of our life, to be the owner, the boss of our life, is whenever you can come in and he can do that and he can take brokenness and ugliness and sin and mold it and shape it and change it into something of worth, to something that has purpose, to something that's beautiful. This, this is what I want to do. I want everybody to, to close your eyes. Not looking around. Band's going to make their way up. And essentially in this process of, in this idea of following Jesus, so the question that comes down to is, are you really following Jesus? That's the main question I want you to ponder. Are you really following Jesus? And for some of you, the answer is yes, and that's awesome. Uh, And so keep pushing, keep growing, keep doing what you're doing, keep leaning into Jesus, and keep running hard after him. That's awesome. But some of you, the answer is no, not really. Like, I've, I've repented, and I've, I've become a Christian, but I'm not really following. I'm not really letting the Holy Spirit change me. I'm not really taking action to follow Jesus. So what do you need to do for that to happen? What are the steps that you do need to take? What are the ways that you need to open up in the Christian community to help, for them to help push you forward?